That was Janet Jackson's If, the Brothers in Rhythm house mix, which happened to have been produced by today's guest, Steve Anderson. Hi, my name is James Rodriguez Horton, the host of The Original Doll, where I unpackage music with the people who create it. We go behind the scenes to learn about your favorite songs, and at the same time, we help out charity. So for every question a guest answers, we get items donated to charity. And I want to give a big shout out to my Patreon patrons. Thank you so much, everyone from Xavier to Benjamin to Ryan to Tommy to Jenny to Rochelle to Curtis to Lenny to Lex uh, to Luke to so many others. Thank you all so much. And... I want to let everyone know, for as little as a dollar a month, you can help keep this podcast alive. Just go to www.theoriginaldoll.com. Now, we're going to talk with Steve Anderson about his work with Janet Jackson, Kylie Minogue, and Britney Spears. But I wanted to throw in this If episode because in the original, the production for Britney Spears' Baby One More Time, this If, If Janet Jackson's song, I should say, was going to be included on the set list. It's true. So I was given the production handbook and it showed what the set list was going to be, the working order and everything. And it was going to be a medley. There was going to be Vogue and Material Girl, Madonna, of course. Then it was going to be If and Black Cat. Well, then If ended up getting scratched for Nasty Boys. Then it would go on to be the share cover that was included on the baby album. Beat goes on, followed by I Will Be There. Then another cover, Open Arms. So I wanted to add that in there just so that people know, who what is the connection about this? But If is such a great song, and Janet Jackson is one of those people that Britney Spears has talked about how she's admired her, her career, and her music. So I love sharing this when you see these different collaborators who worked with both of them. So I'll stop talking, but don't forget, just like with every episode of the original doll, any audio ripping, leaking, recording is strictly prohibited in every country in the world. So keep all the audio here. Extra big shout out to Darius and Mitchell. Now, my name is James Rodriguez Horton, and this is The Original Doll. <laughs> the Original Doll. I would like to welcome everyone back to the Original Dial Podcast. I am your host, James Rodriguez Horton, where we get to interview our favorite creatives, share light on their story, talk about some deep cuts, global hits, and everything in between, and we give back. So for every question a guest answers, we get items donated to charity. So for every question a guest answers about stories behind the songs, we are helping out homeless LGBT teens, we're helping out women and children at domestic abuse shelters, and more. And don't forget, for those who are listening, with the first 24 hours on Apple Podcasts, for every single listen we get, we also get items donated to help those in need. So I want to welcome everyone back, and I want to welcome our guest who... I have been trying to get on for as long as I have been able to get access. And our today's guest, uh, many of you know, and many of you have said those questions, so have no fear, we'll go through them, is Steve Anderson. Steve, thank you so much for being here today on the Original Doll Podcast. James, thank you so much for asking me. Um, love the pod and uh, I've listened to a lot of episodes and uh, yeah, love your passion for the music and um, it's really, really great to be here. Oh my God, I love it. And this is what's going to be awesome because you are somebody whose your impact has been, I will say, and not in a bad way or anything, generational. Like you've been around the music industry 
for decades and working with iconic people throughout this whole time. So we're going to talk about all that. So just thank you for your your creativity and just you know doing what you do. We appreciate oh, it. You are you are more than welcome. I've had a I've been very fortunate and very lucky to have a, a career and obviously started very young. So uh, that, there, that's, you're that's, you're like I was an infant when I worked. Yeah, you I was know, about seven when I started. Yeah, no, no, it's been <laughs> wonderful and I and I still get to do it. And it's uh I never not a day goes by when I don't count myself to be incredibly lucky. So. I love it. So let's go, let's rewind back. You know, when did music become a part of who you are, your journey? When did music start impacting you? Um, I played um, keyboards and piano um, by ear as a kid. I just kind of, my mum and dad got me a keyboard and I realized I could pick stuff off with the radio and I could just play it back. And that carried on uh, into my teenage years. Um, I was a DJ. I loved DJing. I got into mixing um working in clubs uh incorporating some of the keyboard stuff into that and ended up um working at a studio called dmc which was disco mix club um and what was great about that studio is i worked there from i got the job there when i was about 20 and um what was amazing about that was that it was a subscription service for djs for dj only exclusive remixes which meant that as I started off doing mega mixes, but um, eventually it went to remixes and it meant that the building was just full of what were then called multi-tracks, which will now be called stems, um, of the biggest records of all time. And we were like kids in a candy shop. So um, I learned how to make records by putting up, putting a big two inch multi-track on a reel-to-reel uh, tape machine um pushing the faders up and hearing how michael jackson made a record or nile rogers made a record or jamma lewis made a record because you could then go in and get the individual parts so i would end up remixing those and and it was literally kids in a candy shop i mean we would we would do a monthly remix album and we would just be asked what we wanted to do so you know one time i just said oh i want to do love action by the human league because dare was my record that i bought when i was 11 and um two days later the multi-track turns up and that's how i learned how to make records so that's yeah music was always important to me from an early age and um records and and from the very first time i heard dare um on a school bus in tiny tinny speakers up uh, up in the roof i was like i don't understand how they've done that but i need to know um and yeah from then on it was uh, just a playing making mistakes being allowed to to really just play in studios independent studios where there was no clock there was no no one was charging for the time and we just got to have a ball basically see and that's the part that i love is that early on in your career then you were able to take those those you know tools in the sandbox and just play and and enjoy it and it wasn't we need this mix start at one o'clock be done at three o'clock like that that that's not a realistic thing i believe when you work with creatives the nine to five thing doesn't work well it's like hey steve you're gonna write a song but you're only gonna write but you know this set time if your mind is you know fluttering all the time thinking about all these ideas you can't stop that and i feel like one thing i've learned from a lot of the guests is that the mistakes like you're like oh i get to try something out and make a mistake because the first time you make something it's not going to be here's the final you know even years into your career you weren't like oh here's the one take the one time here it is we're done there's all sorts of 
evolutions happening. Um, so let me ask you this though, how do you think knowing to play the piano and things like that, you know, playing by ear, how do you think that helped or even hindered when now you would listen to these, let's say, you know, dance music and able to kind of rearrange or do your remixes? Did it help or did it hinder knowing music oh, before? Oh, it massively helped because especially in the age of technology that I was in, which was probably the beginning was the early nineties. Um, if you could play the keyboard, you could play any instrument because samplers were obviously there. So you could then play via the keyboard, the drums, strings, bass, synths, everything. Um, so anytime I ever got involved in any remixing or, or anything I ever do, it starts with me putting my hands on a keyboard and working out what I'm going to do with it, where it's going to go. Um, and I think having the history of music, especially I was, you know, I'm a collector. Um, I've, I've got, you know, I was always buying, spending any money I had on records or CDs. Um, so I've, yes, exactly. A bit like your room. You've got loads of CDs. I've got loads of CDs. But um, yeah, so, so having that history was really, really helpful. And um, when it just came to, especially the original, the old days of the remixes, um, you kind of had to do that because it wasn't, you know, these aren't the days of splice and things where you can just import something or download something from the internet. There was no internet. So you'd had to physically just have a keyboard, have a sampler, really limited um, equipment. Uh, and the early Brothers in Rhythm remixes and records were literally done on kind of one sampler and two keyboards and a 16 track tape machine. Um, and, and it's insane. <laughs> yeah, well, they, they all were. And I mean, interestingly, it wasn't until later that we, you know, we got into working more in, in bigger studios. But the it's interesting what you say about the uh, the deadline thing as well, because, the, you know, there is an element of a deadline that's good for creatives, because otherwise, you know, we will never finish anything. Um, but I do agree with you that thing of, oh, you've only got four hours to do something that that doesn't really go well with me, because with DMC, I, I was allowed to make my mistakes when it mattered, but didn't matter so much as when I then started making records for, for artists and remixing for big artists. Um, then you can't make a mistake. But luckily, everything that I'd done at DMC had prepared me for that. So I was able to kind of hopefully be at, at the best I could possibly be by the, by the time it got to that. So let me let me jump a little bit to, because I, I want to point this out, the Janet If remixes yes, you know which, brothers which he has which is right behind his head everybody i can right. see it <laughs> um but something like this like can you talk a little bit about because i realized more and more of the listeners were like wait they used to press things in vinyl and that would be kind of before the some single might come out or after because nowadays it's like everything is ready to go with the press of a button digitally but with you're on vinyl there is that production time so a, a situation like this with like the janet thing because that was the follow-up to her that's the way love goes you know so which everyone thought that's the way love goes was such a weird pick to release because it was such a you know a slow i don't want to say ballad mid-tempo thing and hmm. everyone and i know virgin was like no if should be the first single and janet jam lewis everyone was like we're going with that's the way love goes so when you started working on if how early on or do you recall even at this point like how long you had before the remixes were released when you first got the tracks let's say like the the multi-tracks sure i mean it would have been a few months for sure because someone like 
a Janet Jackson, their their whole campaign would have been planned very much in advance. So we definitely got it. I think we probably got it at the same time as my friend CJ McIntosh got That's the Way Love Goes. Um so I think we were doing them at the same we might have even I think we were doing it in the same in the same building. I think we were both at Sam West at the same time doing it. Um but I mean I'm the the biggest Janet fan, the biggest Jam and Lewis fan in the world. And I'd been lucky enough to have worked on a two or three um Jam and Lewis tracks before um uh one for Sherelle uh and a, and a few others so um but being brothers in rhythm we we had this idea that we wanted to do we wanted to really test ourselves so we wanted to do like a a kind of street swing R&B mix which we never do we're house people so there was that one that we did um which was kind of just us wanting to really just have fun um and then for the house mix the curious thing about that is these days um anyone that understands anything about technology and and things like ableton and logic these days you can put an acapella into a a, a program and then you can go oh it's 105 bpm i want it to be 120 bpm and you just put it in and it goes Zip, and it's done but in those days that technology didn't exist mm. so to speed up if what we actually had to do is, and this is where it's probably going to get really boring and technical, but what we had to do no, is... No, trust me, the listeners love this sort of thing. Oh, okay. So what we had to do is physically vary speed. So like speed up actually the tape to the fastest that it could go. So actually, she, so the, the vocals were kind of very high pitch, like kind of squeaky, that kind of thing. And then trap pitch change the vocals back down to the original pitch which is kind of what the technology does now. But then it was an eight, a, th a thing called an H3000 harmonizer. And we'd have to do that for every single vocal because you could only do one vocal at a time. And you know that Janet's got a million backing vocals. So that process in itself, before we could even start work on it, took about four days. Um, and then I think we did the prep for the house mix. We would have, we always used to do the prep at DMC studios. Um, and just work out where we were going to go. And I, again, I put my hands, I would, the, when the thing was at the right tempo, I put my hands on a piano and we got a basic beat and I just played the first thing that came to my mind, um, which was the reharmonization of the chords and stuff. That's just what I heard. And it was kind of our sound as well. So we, we sort of, well, it was, I say it was ours. I mean, we, it was ours with hints of so many of our um, heroes like Clavillas and Cole and Frankie Knuckles and David Morales and Tony Moran and all these brilliant American remixes that we adored. Um, and we were worried a bit because obviously it's such a fast vocal on the original. We were really worried that it was going to be too fast with the verse specifically. Mm -hmm. Is that that thing yep. it was like, but actually it was really cool when we did it. We, that's why it's not as fast as it, it's for a house record, it's quite slow, but we picked a tempo any faster than that. It, it felt like it was wrong. Um, and then we took it into, we did the basic production then took the multi-tracks into the studio. We, we always worked at, which is called Sam West, which is Trevor Horn's studio. Um, and went into the mix room there and then turned it into the 12 inch. So that the whole piano intro and all that kind of stuff. And then, mixed it on, you know, on the beautiful SSL, uh, as we did all of our stuff, um, and added the extra polish to it. And, uh, that then became the house mix. And then we took the tapes off of that and then put this R and B mix on, which was so much fun. We were trying to sound like 
jade i think or someone like that it was don't just, walk away jade <laughs> that was kind of what that's kind of where we were i don't Love know why, i don't even know why we did like we didn't have to do it but we thought it's janet jackson like when do you get the opportunity um and we'd done i think by then we'd done michael already i would link we'd done one michael and we we're like this is how are we going to not like we need to do two mixes three probably because we almost certainly did a dub so um so yeah but it is it's a funny one that one um so many people come up and and cite that as one of the favorite things of their their favorite things we've ever done well that was we actually have tracy from germany she said that your if remixes are by far her favorite remixes from janet jackson and michael jackson's discography so wow. please let them know that even almost 30 years later these songs are so good and i'm never going to meet him in person but i want to let him know hey this was fucking great then and it's fucking great now excuse my friends wow. no no well thank thank you tracy and i mean i take that as a huge compliment because my favorite remix of anything by anyone of all time is the Cleverlis and Cole remix of Black and White. So to be in that category from Tracy, that's incredibly great. And also um, Tony Moran's history mix is is extraordinary as well. So um, thank you, Tracy. That's very kind of you. Well, and and here's what I think is is amazing is like the Janet thing is still to me I would say early in your career. Mm. Do you know like and oh, the fact. And the fact that you're working with, and Janet, that Janet album, I've been sharing facts and things about that Janet album back in 1993, 1994. That album did things that many albums could not do. You know, she was yeah. she was also known for, here's seven singles from one album. Let me stretch that album out for three years. Mm. But at the same time, Janet is one of those multi-genre artists because she was hitting the dance tracks while she was on the R&B radio, while she was on adult contemporary. Yeah. And, you know, I talked about there's there's a couple B-sides on the Janet album, the song, you know, and on and on and 70s uh, Love Groove, where these songs, they weren't even on the actual album, but they were charting on radio because mm. she had that power where they're like, here, go. The if, you know, I believe if is certified gold, like it was certified gold within like two months of being released. So goodness yeah. only knows. And that was 1993, 1994. That's legitimately almost 30 years you know, ago that there should be some platinum status coming on that because it was only certified the, the single two mm. months after it was released and not. And, and that that song charted on the dance charts for like the better part of like, you know, I think 30 weeks or something like that. And that's you're on half of this <laughs> and it's like i know it's it's in, it's incredible i mean there was also that in, fantastic frankie and david mixer because of love as well which is one of my all-time favorites i keep is wanting to go there? like this <laughs> he's gonna he's, he's going to he's gone to he knows well, where it is and oh, you mentioned your friend that's the way love goes oh yeah so that's cj so that's cj mcintosh who also did best things in life for free oh there it is because Frankie's, of yeah the frankie treat mix yeah Frankie and David were just such, they were, they were, they were sort of, we knew them a bit, but they were such heroes of ours as well. Yeah. DJ all over this. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it, it was that, I mean, again, and it was 94, we were very lucky that we'd had a, a fair amount of success. And we, there was a guy called Rob Manley who worked at Virgin, who was one of our best friends who'd come up from the club promotion guy to the sort of A&R. And um, yeah, they, they, that was one of the best calls I've ever had. Do you want to remix Janet Jackson? I mean, come on. 
Were you like, um, let me think about it. Yes. You yeah. send the multi-tracks now. Well, it was, and- it was that Trinity after doing, especially my, having Michael and Janet, you know, we did want to be starting something. We did, who is it? And then having, yeah, it, we just felt that that is, um, yeah, we'd kind of arrived. We were pretty chuffed. And now, Correct me if I'm so, and you, I know you did, you have your own mix of All Right. That's a DMC mix. No, no, that's before actually. That's way, way before. That was a DMC mix that I did just using the acapella from the, the vinyl. So good. So I didn't actually have the multi track from that. That was, yeah, that was just what, yeah, the, 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 I spun the vinyl acapella over and did it that way. That this was, is- a, that was, yeah. I, I, 89, 89, 90, 90, something like that. It was way, way before. It was before Brothers in Rhythm, even. We have more with Steve Anderson coming up over the next few days. We're going to be talking about his work with Kylie Minogue and Britney Spears. So be sure to subscribe to get the episodes as soon as they get released. And you can follow me on Instagram, the.original.doll, or Twitter, at James Rodriguez, R-O-D-R-I-G-U-E-Z. Or you can go to TikTok, at the James Rodriguez. And I'll see you on the flip side. <laughs> the original. Die.